Hear ye, and get ye hype, for tonight's harrowing adventure takes place in the accursed land of Strahd. But fret ye not, though, as our tale is sure to have moments of levity, provided by our all-star role players, and led by our story dungeon master, Cody J. Hay. Truly, from the bottom of all our hearts, we thank you for tuning in to Live, and let's dice. Hello and welcome. I, of course, am your illustrious Dungeon Master, Cody J. Hay, in the flesh tonight, and I am joined by our magnificent wizard, channel owner, and friend, Zachary Guevara. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Zach, what are we up to tonight? With our secret secret random stream, I actually don't know what we're doing. Uh, Cody just wanted to do D and D stream today, so um, Dean's out of town, and uh, we uh, so we can't do Let's Draw because uh, right. obviously I'm not the drawing part of Let's Draw, not particularly. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't really think anyone else on the channel had anything they were really dying to do tonight. So um, we thought we would give you guys a peek behind the curtain. Again, I feel like we've been doing a lot of curtain peeking lately with okay. D&D, but I think, I think it's starting to grow in the channel, um, and so we're going to talk D&D, um, and uh, I actually don't know the questions. Cody wrote a bunch of questions. I don't know what the I questions do. are, so um, I'm, I'm going into this blind as I typically do when Cody DMs, so we're going we're gonna to improv a bit. <laughs> Thanks. But it's been a good day. I, I, uh, I got a 3D printer. I've been oh. painting all day. It's so sexy. Let me let me show this off real quick. This is probably not going to look particularly good on camera, but I got my burn. That's Dean's character right there. Got them all painted up. Um, these things have have been interesting. There's my shadow spawn. This spell I've literally only casted once. It, it looks, so to get this it looks like a rug of smothering, kind of. I like it. Um... Yeah, this is what I'm working on right now. It looks like absolute dog shit right now, but, you know, that's part of the painting process, right? It looks bad before it looks good. And then um, later this weekend, I'm going to work on Krangulus. I got my three Vors and my two Ozols done. Got a mage handle. So 3D printing has been great, but holy shit, it is difficult. I'm, I'm on my third Marius attempt right now, trying to get the model to actually be printable. The first one failed right away. The second one... I was like, this looks fucking amazing. I was taking the supports off. I was cleaning it. And I was like, oh, it printed everything on the whole character except for his left arm had like one layer and it was everything else was just like gone. Oh. And I looked at the file and I was like, oh, I probably should have put more supports on the um, uh, Mark. If you want to hop in, Mark, yeah, uh, comment totally. and I'll send you the link. Anyways, I, I was like, you know what? That was my fault. I should have addressed that before I hit print. So I put way too many supports as per usual. It's printing right now. It'll be done probably in two hours. And I'm, I'm hoping to God it finishes because I'm I'm ready. I love Max. I love my sweet Maxwell. But I'm ready to move on. I, like, these aren't even the final <laughs> prints, which is what's annoying me. We actually paying or, we're actually paying someone to professionally support our models for print. Oh, wow. These are just like my painting prototypes. And what's even more funny is this isn't even how I'm going to paint the real ones. Mark and I are investing in a painting system uh, where uh, we'll be able to... Uh, it's supposed to be like a speed paint, but uh, 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm ecstatic with how this 3D printer is working when it works. When it doesn't work, oh, it's frustrating because you waste like four hours and you're so excited to see what happened and then it's like, ugh, nothing happened. Right. Anyways, I'm going to send Mark the link. He wants to join. Always Hell welcome. Yeah. Let me pull up... Uh, let me message Mark first and then I just want to pull up uh, one thing. I want to show the people watching live my... Uh, work in progress so far oh. of the other models hell yeah this is always really cool for me to get to see because i like i don't have a 3d printer but i i love miniatures not that you can see them they're not on display anywhere easily here but they Check they came out, out so me. good owes all the white owes all the blue and then uh my two vores or my three vores actually my owl my tressum and my pseudo dragon dragon Oh, I wonder what he's going to be in. Seattle. Oh, my God. Look at those. Look at Vor. Sweet, sweet angel. Gift now, Zach, God. let me ask you this. Do you yes. anticipate ever playing at the table now that you're printing uh, miniatures? I'll be honest. I just really want a nice little diorama with our characters, like, in a tavern. Sure. So, no, not particularly. Okay. But, you know, if the opportunity ever arose, if you were down here... And we could get a game in person. I wouldn't wouldn't be opposed to it, but no, I I um, I, I've played a lot of war games, right? A lot of very complex war games, and it's just rules and math. I'm good at math, but I like I like I click a button and I I just see what I rolled. I think I will that... say though, I will say though, Cody, I think for death saving throws, we should have the option to cam down to a dice, like a physical dice. I think that would be fun. Like where it, oh. it's, you know, it's clear view, you know, you could do it live. Um, I think that would be really cool. But anyways, um, no, I don't think I, I don't think I have a desire to, but I do. Let me tell you this. I've been acting different since I got this 3d printer. I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to this company that makes terrain. I'm going to be like, yo, yeah, send me some of your terrain. I will paint it and put my 3d models in there. And we'll show it off as like a showcase of the terrain. So I'm hoping the guy will go for it because that would be really cool. They're not that expensive. They're like, I think for everything I wanted, it was like $280 shipped. But I also would rather just have it for free because I'm famous. Let, let, let me ask you this. With yes. 3D printer etiquette, as a person who doesn't own a 3D printer, how much can I ask for from a friend who has a 3D printer and pay them for before it becomes unreasonable? I think one, it has to be something that can be printed, obviously. So, mm -hmm. like, I can't print buildings, which is why I'm asking. Oh. I want to ask this guy for uh, his help. Right. Um, I think. I think it depends. I don't know. I haven't hit that point yet. That's like, right. like we we were talking earlier. And I was like, well, I'd like to print these things for you, but I, they're just like, I think they're more yeah. show minis than like play minis. Yes. Um, and so I don't know. I haven't hit that point yet. I know. I think you're the person that's asked me to print the most so far. Probably. But um, I know Fern has asked me to print some stuff. But I'm at that point right now where I'm still learning it. So, like, all the models in this that photo that I just showed you, I was supporting myself. Um, but it's, it's interesting because, like, the resin isn't the, the hard part, right? Like, what mm -hmm. I've printed for you is probably less than $5 in resin. Like, for the characters that you asked me to print for you particularly. The more annoying part is the time, because it right. like like the one DM Cody mini basically took on its own four hours. So that's like 
like dedicated four hours and if it doesn't work it's like another four hours well dude you just gotta charge for labor my guy yeah and not, and not only that Throw but it it's there. like the time to support the model and everything like that like the 30 minutes to yep. an hour of fixing it so i don't know i don't know when that point is but like i, I think i think uh, i don't think we're there yet but i know this whole like team thing that we're doing for the team is hard mm-hmm. or than i thought i thought it would just be super easy but it's kind of kicking my ass a bit it's nice that Dini also has a 3D printer, so we're going to split up the characters. I may actually have her print Marius if I can't get it to work on mine, which I... Mm-hmm. Knock on wood, I think I may have it. I'm, honestly, if I don't get on this one, I'm going to give it one more go and then right. wait for the pre, the professional support model. But, um, yeah, it's... Well, um, I don't think we're there yet, but it just depends. Like, if it's pre-supported models, it's not really a big deal. Like, that Strahd that I did for you was literally... Right. Drag it to a USB, plug it in, go. Mm-hmm. So those are easier. Um, but like I was telling you earlier on that second Strahd, the one that I'd have to pre-support, it, that's like mm-hmm. where it's really a lot of time right. to do that. So the main reason I ask is because if you look, like when I was buying STL files, when we d- decided to come up with this whole idea of like, hey, let's do like a Christmas run of miniatures for some people. Uh-huh. You know, if you want a miniature, you know, throw me the file, we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. So looking looking through Etsy, I ended up buying some extra models too because there's some stuff I've been wanting. Uh-huh. Kind of at that point in life now, I can just throw money at stupid stuff, uh, or not stupid stuff, but like less important things other than bills. So uh-huh. I was looking at it and I was like, "Damn, this whole dragon is like fifty bucks, right?" And I was like, "That's you know, if you go and buy the Wiz Kids models from Wizards of the Coast or like even like their colossal red dragons, which mine's back here in the background, right?" Uh-huh. It's like a hundred dollar model if I buy it at the comic book shop or at mm-hmm. my local game shop, versus if I paint it myself. You know, I gotta do the time for painting and stuff like that. So I, the reason why I ask is because there's got to be like a terminal threshold of what makes it viable for you, but what also uh-huh. is fun for you. So I mean, for those people getting into the hobby, yeah, do you have any advice for them? It's hard because I don't have a huge printer, so like I've wanted to print a nicer Tyrannosaur model that's like as big as the Whiz Kid Kids one, and like sure. dragons are absolutely out of the question. Like I could maybe print like a young adult dragon, but like the the giant dragon, so to speak. Right. Uh, Dini, if you want to join, let us know. We'll send you the link. Um, totally. Those are those are probably out of the question. I think the printer that I have is probably best for like large single characters, and uh, you know, like maybe small terrain like a table or um like a bench or something like that so um i would say it's not not fun um mm-hmm. but it is um it's like it's really just a time thing right like totally. i don't want to spend like uh some lord of the rings things i found they had some really nice bases but like i don't want to spend an hour just spending bases it's boring like i want to want to do like something really cool so it's uh do you need uh check discord i just sent you the link it's uh, a little bit, a little bit strange. Um, yeah, it's the biggest thing is like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but yeah, it's um, it's hard to really hard to put into words. But I would say, ask the question one more time. I just I want to make sure I'm answering it correctly. What is your in your mind for printing uh, miniatures? What is a reasonable price? if you were to like print something for someone. So like to rephrase, I guess to rephrase my question, like I bought the, both straw miniatures that you sent me, the other ones, just because mm-hmm. I wanted them and it's something I can practice painting on mm-hmm. outside of the one that you were printing for me. So that when I get my miniatures, whether they come printed or not, right, 
I, I can have some of the skill back from painting again. So mm-hmm. what, what do you think is a reasonable price for printing miniatures or a reasonable time for printing miniatures if you're doing it just as a yeah, hobby so for other people? I got to ask Ian, because there's someone in San Antonio that does that for people. Like you send him the file, he hmm. prints it. I think he charges like 20 bucks. That's so, I mean, you're basically, it's probably about like to print one mini is probably about 30 cents worth of resin. Okay. So the other money is the time that your printer's down to do that. Right. The cleanup, the the curing, and then dealing with any failures, which is the tough part. Right. Because um, you know, if it like for me, like this Marius is on a third attempt, like I would, I wouldn't be necessarily losing money, but I would lose like value, like personal value. Well, it turns um, time. Right, yeah. You only have so much room on your bed. Yeah, on the print bed. So I don't know. I haven't. I don't. I haven't really figured that out yet. I probably got to talk to Ian because he was telling me like he 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 does that for people, but I don't know what he charges. Right. So, um, but I'm not really confident enough yet with my abilities that I think it's worth it to do that yet. But real quick, but I will uh, say whenever sorry Mark, whenever I fail in a print, I can look at the file and be like, oh, that's why it failed. Like that makes sense. But I'm not at that point where I catch it before it fails. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I feel like at this point, the technology with 3D printing, it's come a long way. They should know, like, the, the when you put the trees in there, they should know, okay, this has got a probability of failure. That's what you would think, right? So the thing is, there is a detection for islands, but even on professionally pre-supported models, like, because I was like, there's no way this model has this many islands. Like, that's impossible. And I was like, I'm just going to print it. It printed perfectly fine. And then I was, I once I got those pre-supported Lord of the Rings models... I checked the island detection, and they have like 200 islands. So I was like, "Wow!" So I think they're a little too sensitive. But you would think like the printer would say, "Hey, this is not going to work. Don't do it." And maybe <laughs> the premium one does, but I just have the basic software. Um, technically, I have the ability to get the the premium for free for a year, but I don't want to use that as a crutch because I'm definitely not paying 150 once the year is over Ooh. to get like. No, you know, see, another year. So whole so printer you, costs two hundred dollars. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna right. spend that much on the subscription. But. Well the thing is once once you I mean you've you've gone so far in just a week. So once the you master the craft, maybe do that, but that's once we start getting into the because there's so much more ju- I've learned. Like the I've learned it was the height of the print that takes the time. So it's better just to print as many things, you can fit as many things on the surface as possible. And that's yeah. the, time. the layers are the time. To me, I would think just the going back and forth would be the time. No, because it, it does it all at once. It's yeah, like a slideshow on a TV. Now, now let me tell you this: the worst part of three D printing, by far, in my opinion, um, well, one of the worst parts is the supports. Right, I'm still struggling with that. But to me, my least favorite part is when it's done, having to take the models off the build plate. Dini, maybe you know this. It's fucking difficult to take the models off the build plate for me. I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, I thought my exposure time for the bottom layer was too high, but I already dropped it five seconds and that made it a little easier, but I'm scared if I drop it more it'll be even harder. So I gotta I gotta talk to some of the three D guys. But uh I freaking stabbed myself with this and that was not fun. Stabbed through my glove. Got like resin in the cut. Not not <laughs> oh, particularly no. fun. Because I was holding like an idiot and the blade slipped. It's like, well, a failed dex check right there. That yeah. was fun. <laughs> but uh, Dini, I was saying I'm, I'm struggling with the Marius print. I don't have the professional supports done yet. But if I continue to struggle with that, I may need you to, paint, to print that character on your printer. Because you, you seem to have a little bit more experience than me. Yeah. Um, so it's just like 
taking it off the build plate that's the problem? Or is really it also the supports? Both. Uh, I'm struggling with both. But Don't I'm play. learning about the supports. Also, Benjamin says get a flex plate for moving prints. I saw that today Ooh. on a YouTube video, and it blew my mind, and I need to look that up, actually. Thank you. Flex yeah, the plate. flexible plates, if you can get one, are, like, life-changing. <laughs> I usually use those um, for 3D printing as opposed to SLA printing. Uh, yeah. You just kind of give it a little bend and comes right off. Nice. So, Holy shit. Zach, you just blew Zach's mind. <laughs> how do I attach it to the build plate, though? Mine is not compatible with that, so... Um, what? This is or at least my stuff. SLA printer isn't, but... Yeah, if... I What software does that one use for... Cheetahbox? Do you know Chitabox? if it would possibly be compatible Chitabox. with Prusa Slicer? <laughs> no, the, the file should be a CTP, because the it's on the Chi2 software. Like, so, um, okay. mm -hmm. like the Photon, like those are both like Chitu based systems. Um, dang, holy I'm shit, trying to think Benjamin, of like this a nice shit program. blew my mind. Can, can I ask you guys a question? Since yeah. you guys are both collectors. In your mind, sure. now that you have kind of experienced WizKids side of printing that come pre-painted versus... Oh, they're awful. They, they can be. You're 100% right. No, they are. Like, I've never Would seen you, one that looks good. But as an amateur, so like as an amateur collector or as a casual player, would you rather buy something that's highly detailed to have to paint yourself? Or would you rather, for the same price, buy several miniatures that are a little bit lower quality? Like, do you think that buying the WizKids models is worth it now that you have a 3D printer? Or for our audience at large, who wants to get into our hobby? What do you think the better route is? I mean, I th I don't. Hmm. It really depends on what you're willing to accept, right? I like my models to be exactly my character, mm -hmm. but if you could find a WizKids model that, like, oh, like I want to play a paladin, whatever, and you find the model that like is somewhat similar to that, sure, I could sure. see that. Because um, they they are the putting out like higher sculpt stuff right now too that you can paint yourself miniature wise. Yeah, the Nolzers, those are actually yeah. really nice. Yeah, I, I mean to me it's it's one of those things that's really exciting because uh, me and Zach were talking about this a year ago and three D printing's come so far to where there's a lot of steps you can skip and there are so many people working on stuff. I don't think you should settle for anything to be honest mm. because either way there's so so many models even if and it's so, they're such small pieces that you should give it give give a damn. You know what I mean? Because no matter what you're you're paying, if you're if you're buying it from somebody else painted, you're paying fifteen twenty dollars or whatever for, you know, uh, what comes down to the like inch and a half, two inches. Yeah, inch and a half yeah. and two inches. And you know what I mean? It, it's it, I mean it's really exciting stuff to to for Zach to be able to the first time printing to pull the stuff he's pulling. Yeah, if you're into yeah. it, I'd say buy. I'd say buy the printer. You know what I mean? It just you know, it just troubleshoot because it's worth the money to troubleshoot if you if you care enough. If not, you have you know everybody that plays D and D has a certain amount of characters they like to play with. You yeah. should do. And, um, you should get your exact character. You shouldn't settle yeah, just, for anything. On a side note, um, I was telling Zach this a couple days ago. I think um, the SLA printer I have is a Prusa SL one. 
They actually don't even sell it anymore. They sell the SLS, SL1S, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit newer, a little faster, but overall, they're still the same price, which is if you have them send it to you assembled, it's around $1,100. Um, but <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the one that Zach got for... $200. I think it, $200 prints... Wow in like the exact same quality it yeah, looks and it was, good and zach, it's and, zach, and zach did it on his second try he had success on a second try and that was that was the first time he's ever 3d printed yeah. so and that was uh, the, yeah, the supports that i made too which is great and, and not and not and not trying to say that it's like dummy proof zach's very it's not zach's very <laughs> intellectually inclined and he he knows he knows zach's very good at troubleshooting and stuff like that but i mean it's very yeah, possible so so. Just in the last, I guess I've had it for about four years. Um, the price has come down significantly on printers with that same quality print. And it's going to pay for itself if you're into this hobby. I mean, right. just having someone else print figures for you costs a ton of money. Uh, overall, like if you're buying a ton of little figures, if yeah. it's worth it to you to invest 200 bucks to create yeah. hundreds and hundreds of these little dudes <laughs> like mm -hmm. i think it's a good buy yeah i mean Honestly. well i think because primed primed figures that aren't painted at all they're just pre-primed they're what 10 10 a little over 10 dollars right yeah yeah That's, the nose so, they're about five to ten yeah yeah and, and then you could print these about... for less than a dollar yeah sorry Dean, yeah basically and <laughs> in, in the cost of the resin yeah it, it it's not even a comparable uh, a comparison in terms of cost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like this right here is is Kranglis. It's Kranglis. <laughs> nice. And that's like this would probably be like a five dollar mini at the store. This was like ten, probably ten fifteen cents to print. And the file, I think I like my larger. Yeah, I was gonna say my larger dungeon master figure was ten bucks. And then the two vampires, I think I only spent 20 bucks on mm -hmm. for the the other SLA file or STL files I sent you. And then the other stuff I bought off Etsy, which is coming from like Germany or somewhere, was like 60 bucks for three miniatures. So, I mean, cost-wise. Oh, here they are. The oh, boys. So oh. I got Cody's character, the Gandalf, Stolas, Caliban, and this little turtle. <laughs> I'm going to run him as a turtle monk because he just looks funny. Hell yeah, dude. High ass yeah, wanted, class. That that turtle guy, I wanted to see him print it, uh, paint it up. He looks pretty badass. Actually. I think it's gonna be a really easy paint job because it's just yeah. like a green wash. But it's, I mean, it's, it's just a cool. I mean, that's a cool, fit, cool miniature. You have I to mean, like make a bandana. But like him. you said, Cody, like a lot of people do this to play. For me, like uh, growing up, just seeing people play and then kind of learning the game, I literally just want this want this stuff from my shelves. You know what I mean? I just think it, I think it's really cool. You yeah, know, that's you yeah. little. Like a world building, you know what I mean. Anybody yeah. that, that had micro machines growing up, and then when you totally. play, you you play any any fantasy game and stuff. And you know, like Zach said, I'm looking at all this stuff. It has all these little hobbit holes that are that people have printed out and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, we, we might have to turn around and buy another printer, Zach. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you know? we should get another one. How, how tall, I'm already how, thinking, like, damn. Yeah, I was already thinking about that too. I was like, okay, well, because that one prints what three inches tall. No, I can print quite tall. The, was it like? I think the, yeah, it's, I think like, it's like seven, ten eight, inches right? tall. Yeah. Does it really? Yeah, but the thing is, 
like you you can't just stand things up. Like typically yeah. you do like a forty five. Right. Uh, but I haven't printed anything that long. Well, you print up and you print straight up and down, right? Yeah, I don't know why yours does that. To be honest, I well, I guess it's just their software. I don't know. Well, I think I could probably print it straight up and down, but I don't know. Everyone told me to do forty five. So if you if you have free time, uh, maybe do a couple couple walls or something. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. It it for some jobs I need to use one software and another job on the same printer I have to use a different software so mm-hmm. you may be able to find a software on that printer that makes the supports easier and doesn't stick quite as hard to the bottom because I promise mm-hmm. you the software can make a huge difference on a print mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah. Yeah, I mean to me it's kind of weird that they don't have like a not to sound crude but like a, like a uh, cooking spray or something well, there, so they, there is stick. actually there is actually something yeah. Dini like that. Maybe Ben can chime in, but there's like a grease that you can put on the build plate, and I think you just like put it on and like wipe it off, and then it's supposed to like reduce the friction on the uh, the surface. Yeah, because I've I seen videos of people too. like snapping like yeah. their prints, like trying to pull it off, and then they're like, "Oh, you know, this one didn't take." And I'm like, "What happened to Mary's hell? foot? It's tiny little fucking <laughs> hobbit foot." Um, what else do you got for us, Cody? Are we talking about yeah. D&D now, or are we still on 3D&D? Uh, we, totally. I figured we'd talk about 3D printing, since so it's kind of something cool that's oh, happening okay. inside the group, and then we can hop to our actual subject here. Uh, so I did some digging, and based off of our last stream, kind of our interaction with our community, and some of the questions that came up through the, the community, I kind of compiled them into a list, and then took some of the most popular questions that people ask online about Dungeons & Dragons, and kind of threw them all together. And it's cool because I have multiple people here now, so this is it'll be really cool to kind of like wow. get a group dynamic. Um, hello, Gigi. But my first question actually comes from my wife. Uh, oh, she wow. asked, oh. "How did you guys? What the hell are you doing? I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't care. Say the question again. How did we what our characters? How did you name your characters, or what was your inspiration for them? Perfect. Um, Stola or uh, well, Kranglis and Stolas. What are tell us about those, Gigi? <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> Kringlis has a stupid ass name for like no reason, but it's hilarious, anyways. Yeah, so, um, uh, Stolas I named after an actual demon, and I believe it's the what is it called? I don't remember, but basically, if you look into like demonology, there's like all these princes and dukes of hell, and they all have names. So Stolas is one of them. He's a owl that has all the knowledge about rare gemstones and stars. So space and rocks. <laughs> um, nice. But the pictures of him, if you find these really old paintings and etchings of Stolas, he's like this really funny long-legged owl. <laughs> he looks like he's gigantic, like the size of a mountain or something. Um, and he wears this little crown on his head. And I'm just like, that's not a very threatening demon, but he has a cool name. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of like how I, I named Stolas, is I just named him after this weird Duke of Hell. Or no, he's a Prince of Hell, and he commands a legion of demons or something. Wow. Um, and then Kringlis. <laughs> I didn't actually name Kringlis. Dean did. And I, I just threw that at you guys on a whim. 
I didn't uh -huh. know he was gonna name him that, but uh -huh. <clears throat> Dean named him because there's this uh, little animated skit on YouTube called uh, "Every uh, Elden Ring Quest Ever" or something. Uh -huh. Yes. And yes, the guy this. throughout this little skit is an NPC named Kringlis. Uh, what is it? The Forsworn? Kringlis the Forsworn? Yes, the Forsworn, yeah. And it's it's super funny. So when Dean said Kringlis, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And That's awesome. Uh -huh. He just came up with that on, like, like that. I mean, it was pretty much instant. He's just like, Kringlis, that's your name. And mm -hmm. I committed to sticking with whatever <laughs> name you guys threw out there. So he's Kringlis wow. now. Oh, man. I love it. What about you, Mark? Yeah, it was easier for me because we went through a lot of stuff because I hadn't played D&D &D in a long time. It had been over 20 years. And it's, wow. it's still it's still very new to me. Like, you know, you think it's riding a bicycle, but, like, apparently I was terrible at riding a bicycle. But we we had come up with, like, okay, you need a brute. You need somebody that's not going to do a lot of potions. So we came up with the Dragonborn. So it's easy for me as a big Lord of the Rings fan that Caliban is the elvish word for dragon so right and it sounded good it's, oh, it sounds awesome. cool it sounds like caliban like, you know what i mean it sounds mm -hmm. like there should be this higher <laughs> meaning for it but it's the elvish word for dragon so wow. i can't I remember i didn't know that out of it the, because there's a two there's Sin, sindarin and what's the other what's the old elvish word elvish language i can't remember let the phone a friend on that one my guy yeah I, I, i'll have to think about it Sindar and the other one, but one of the two, um, Caliban is Elvish for dragon. So that's that was easy for me. Uh huh. So and I mean it's a short story, but I thought it, like because I was looking for names and I was like, oh, what's Elvish for dragon? And I'm like, oh, that's it fits, you know. It's not a big I, name. I do that with a lot of Latin stuff for our our game. I still love Latin yeah. and throw it into words and stuff. But yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Zach? Um, so. Ozol, I wanted a name with a Z in it because, you know, why not? And um, I also like the Wizard of Oz movie, so I was like, okay, so Oz, I like that. And and I just I don't know, it just came to me, and I was like, I love everything about this. Yeah. Now initially I was gonna call him Ozol the Oracle, but I was like, that's a bit oh, that pompous for a level three character. So at some point, <laughs> Ozol when he becomes like ultra time wizard, like. Then oh. it'll be Ozol the Oracle. When I unlock my, my uh, Gandalf the White, so to speak, yeah, then it'll be Ozol the Oracle. Yeah. But I just thought it was funny that he was like the wise. Um, what's up, Badfish? And, uh, yeah, what's up, Badfish? Yeah, he's it's obviously inspired by Gandalf and Obi-Wan. Um, and I kind of play him as such, like a lot of like mage hand or telekinetic, like force pushing people or things. Um, yeah. I have He has like lots of like little people that do his stuff for him, so like, He's lazy, so he always makes Burn and Caliban do things when he doesn't want to do them, because he's he's a weak old man, and he has like <laughs> but Sir. But he can do like backflips and stuff. Yeah, like, no, he at has the most yeah. crazy times. He's like Yoda. He has like <laughs> Sir. So like whenever he needs something done, he'll just summon Sir. Like oh, look through these books for me, and uh, he has a, a pet named Vor, uh, who's an angel from the heavens, um, and. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's pretty cool. He's got a nice little magic crystal that helps him out a lot, and uh, it's funny when we wrote the crystal, it was supposed to be like a thing that I just always would like take on and off the staff or just have floating, but yeah. I put it on the staff episode two and never took it off. So, hey. uh, 
it can come off the staff and float. It just has never done that. That's um, okay. But I kind of like it that way. Uh, and uh, well, he's old, so it works. yeah. So it's true. I um I kind of like the idea though that he has like a bunch of things. So like shadow spawn, which I've only summoned once. I hope to summon it more times. I almost did it last game, but I just I, I just couldn't not have lightning bolts and fireballs available because shadow spawns kind of a, a neat spell but i need to, i really we need we really need a, a, a big bomb from time to time in that battle and I, then okay i'm sorry I, I don't mean to interject but i will say the aura of fear that comes with one of the shadow spawns abilities would have been huge on the bridge so fear fear is like uh and sometimes turn on dead has this ability too where it just makes people flee Pushing yeah. people in an opposite direction from you can be really strong for crowd control. So I was going to do that, but I did not know if... Well, obviously we're not supposed to know, but I did not know if they had immunity to fear. Yeah. So I uh, I couldn't risk it. Sure, sure. I couldn't That's risk good call. it. call. Um, but there was a part of me that wanted to be ultra cheeky and telekinetic thrag... Uh, blood tusk off the bridge but i was like cody already let one of those skate earlier in the game and he said we're not going to do that anymore and i was like i don't know if i would be allowed to do this and i don't want to position myself and then not be able to do it but there was a part of me that was like this is going to be so cheeky to just telekinetic thrag tusk off the bridge and then like just be done with that threat i uh (laughs) i have a question here later on that's like advice for players or whatever uh-huh. And one thing I put in there is the chance to drop a, le- a chandelier on someone, push someone into fire, or push them off a bridge is the advice that I give to all of my players. Given the chance to push anyone from any amount of height, take it. Always take it. But also, yeah, I, think, I know, I, I know. Well, oh, sorry, go ahead, Danny. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think at the time Cody's objection was that they were gargoyles like fixed to the tower. Yes. Yeah. So this guy, this dude was not fixed on the. Well, bridge, I know that, but so also let me say it. this, and I don't mean this as anything against Cody. So just, no, I want to put that out there. But I know for the sake of making things harder, you've said like we're rolling behind the screen, and I knew that would probably be a futzable roll like. Oh, like that's a huge swing in this combat. Like turn one, if you're going to push somebody off the bridge, like I'm going to pass that behind the screen. And I didn't want to be that guy and give you like a low portent and like force it to happen. Cause I felt like it would, the thing is like, I I watch a lot of D and D YouTube and I always see videos like how my players ruin my encounter. And I didn't want to ruin your encounter because it was, (laughs) it was like a cool cinematic thing. And so I just, I just didn't want to ruin it to be honest. And I wanted to have like, it, it was a fun, challenging fight. And yeah. I didn't want to just take a big bat off the board like in one second. As, so as I, fun as it would have been. I try to plan my, my dungeon master style is to plan for as many contingencies. Because I'm I'm a very creative player when I play. You guys haven't seen it yet, but someday. Mm-hmm. But uh I I'm all about it. If you can make it happen, I will do it. The main reason I pulled some characters behind the screen is either their crit chance is higher, um, and that, that will be the only role I will ever fudge is a critical hit depending on the battle narratively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives me more control across the board to pull a character back. Other mm-hmm. than that, I let the dice land where they land. Yeah. So um, I know you do because I know when I hit you with that big fireball and there was five failures, I was like, damn, that was 162 yeah. damage out of nowhere. Totally. Like, that, that was the biggest <laughs> hit we've ever had in our whole campaign. It was. Yeah, it was huge. It's, it's the like... second biggest hit I've seen at a table, actually. The only oh, thing shit. that beats you out is I had a player who was a paladin who mounted a dragon and landed two critical hits back-to-back. 
Uh, and he, ex- I think he was like eighth or ninth level. So he dropped two third level smites on top of his oh, great longsword damage. Yeah. And he, he did like 160 points of damage, I think, in one round. It was nuts. Oh, well, I did 172, stuff, so but... I beat him. Oh, I'm seeing like wow. single target damage. Oh, I see. Like it's the it's the second biggest group damage. Yeah, that's kind of one of those things that's great. You walk into a goblin den and just start throwing fireballs at people. Yeah, yeah that was bad. a cool moment. It's pretty savage. Um, yeah. That whole fight was scary. What else he got for us? That was a good fight. It, that was my was test like, to it, see it where you guys like were at. It felt like there was some. Yeah, it felt like there was something at stake there. Like, totally. oh, no, we are out of our depth here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being that you guys are uh, a newer players, how would you define Dungeons and Dragons? What is Dungeons and Dragons to you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's just getting together with friends and playing. And I, I always tell Cody this because um, sometimes he'll joke like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill your character this game," or like he's like, "I'm gonna try to TPK the party," which he's never done to be honest. But I'm always like, Cody. And I guess our stream is a little different because we're not really like a normal D and D game. Sure we we are, are, but like we're streaming it to people. I'm like Cody. We're we're here to tell a cooperative story, and obviously, if the dice really hate us that day, something bad's gonna happen. But in general, we should <laughs> we should both be aiming towards telling a, a good story that people enjoy, rather than like us just nuking encounters or nuking each other or like you specifically trying to kill the party like imagine people spend a year which by the way it has been a year of D, which is really fun with this campaign you're on mute by the way um and uh if if we just all got tpk'd out of nowhere by something stupid it would kind of not be super great for the people that invested a year of their yes. time listening so i always That's tell so cody like it it we shouldn't we shouldn't be actively trying to win against each other we should yeah. also like keep in mind like I don't want to lose, you don't want to lose, but we also want to both have fun and not, you know, you know, that's a good not point. get out of hand. That's a good point. I'll bring that up later under some other questions. But yes, what about what about you, Dini? What are, what is Dungeons and Dragons to you? Yeah, I think I think there's something really special about being able to create something from nothing, and you're not just creating something for yourself, but there's other people involved who have their own special take on, you know, a person or this little creature they've created and like it or not, like it's sort of like a, a reading a novel, like you get attached to these characters, even if you didn't create them yourself, but there's something even better about having like a little jerk like Stolas that he, this is my boy like he may have some problems but he's mine <laughs> uh, you you can't just you can't just create this world by yourself you, you have people who will just throw something at you that you have no idea they're gonna do and it makes it it makes it really cool because you never know how everyone else around you is going to contribute to your story and you have to just like be on your toes uh in terms of you know, just trying to, I guess, evolve and elaborate on this little tale that you're trying to, like, like Zach said, you, you want to make it for the people listening to be fun. Um, but you also want to change your character for better or worse, depending on, you know, what flavor character you want to make. But yeah, I love it. It's been super fun. I, 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 I could probably invest another several years 
<laughs> of my time. Yeah. To we'll something be like ready this, for that. So. We are doing that. That means um, I'm doing my job. What about you, Mark? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for me, I mean, it's it's the perfect game because you think about it, it's like a it's like a board game, but it's also interactive, and nobody gives nobody really cares about winning. It's yeah. more about the dynamics of like. When Zach cares, but I'm, an, I'm a hyper competitive person. Like, <laughs> well, the, Cody always calls me a power gamer, and I'm like, "What the heck? Max is a power yeah. gamer." Well, well if anything, I got are. it from Max. You both are. It's bad habits. <laughs> well, no, but no, it's it's that dynamic. You guys have that dynamic of like you you want to be able to drop that. I have this potion, or I have this move, you know, or you want that high roll, you know, it's that high energy stuff. But no, you know, Dungeons and Dragons isn't about winning or losing. That's that they tell you that. From the get-go, the first time they wrote the book, it's not about winning or losing. It's the interaction. It's, it's the battles. It's the you know the the world building. You're building your own world live, as you go. Totally. You know what I mean. And it takes. I mean, it takes a good dungeon master to add that dynamics and to build that little world. And Cody, to me, I think Cody's done a fantastic job. He's very much been on his toes. And I've. I mean, I've. I've loved it. I feel like so, and here's the problem. I think I would be a lot better if nobody was watching. <laughs> I feel so much pressure because everybody's everybody's got that, you know, everybody I feel like that kid, you know, everybody's playing hopscotch and as soon as I jump in, it's like, you know, this kid trips over his feet, you know, <laughs> loses man. a shoe and I my, my face is on the pavement, you know. Sure. I'm going to the de- I have I have a dentist, you know, I I got I got to get a crown removed, but now it's it, dude. It's a, such a fun game because you literally you build your own character under you know. I, I like uh, anybody that plays like like uh, fantasy football. You do the draft. You know what I mean. Part of the fun is building your character. You literally build your own background, and you can you can you can pick all this stuff out. Nobody that's ever played before, and it's a game where there's a lot of ex- experts. And if you've never played before, especially if you play in person and you don't know anything, somebody will help you along. You know what I mean? They won't. They won't make you. They won't let you. Fa- they don't want you. Nobody wants you to fail. You know. Yeah. yeah. And they'll make it fun. So if you've never played before, it's always. And I have to be honest with you, Roll Twenty is great because it allows. Because it's hard to get in groups and stuff. It's hard to find groups. Roll Twenty is great because you're able to do it online. But there's nothing like in person. Having somebody stand next to you and be like, uh, you know, come on, bro, just, 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 just do this, or you know what I mean. Everybody's yeah. helping everybody out, and that's e- the easiest way to learn is to play in person. One hundred percent agree with you on that. Especially when I'm I'm trying to click and people are telling me to make a save and shit's dragging left and right, and <laughs> then you hear me go uh uh uh, and I could hear Zach thinking like dead air, man, dead air. <laughs> well, Mark, here, here's the thing you have to remember. Um, when we're playing, I because this this gets in my head too, and I, I try my best not to let it show. And having my cam off helps a little bit. It's also a detriment to me as a dungeon master because it's hard to feed off of other people's like body language or like excitement if you can't see their face. So I'm trying to train myself to be like all audio cues, like someone's like, oh shit, or you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Right, so I try to feed into the hype, but I I lose myself. Like I start dungeon mastering, and I just totally forget that we're on stream. And like, there's like Zach's like, hey, check the comments. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. We have comments and streamers. And like, <laughs> and then Cody yells at me in Discord. <sighs> <sighs> I'm not perfect. I never said I was a word. Like, what the hell? It's a long story. Anyway, in the lot. middle of the heat of battle, and I'm getting heat told to die. I also can like see everyone's comments from my end on roll twenty. So like, if people are like chattering back and forth. 
uh, the meta thing gets brought up a lot. And since we're doing an audio show, like meta at the table, like if you're sitting around the friends and you have like a big ass bowl of snacks and you're eating pizza and dungeon mastering and gesturing and talking out the side of your mouth and none of that matters. That's just like bullshit with friends. It's awesome. It's like the greatest D&D experience you can have. But when you're streaming on a show, I'm always like, dude, this is your chance to role play. Because role play is the hardest part of Dungeon or of Dungeons and Dragons, I would say, is like trying to find your voice, getting into your character, being invested. Those those all, you know, accumulate into role play. So I always try to push my players and I'm like, hey, like if you need health, if you need help, like throw that out there because that's going to add to the drama of the situation. It's going to change the dynamic. And if you're metagaming, like from person to person, like, hey, Max, I need health. Can you heal me next turn? I'm like, no, shut that shit out. Like, you know, give me a shout out as a dungeon master. Be like, hey, can my character say something really quick? Like, yes, totally. Yeah. Or no, depending on the situation, right? So, I don't know. That's that's my metagame thing, I guess, right there. You know, add to the drama. Give it, give it to me, baby. Again, bad fish. Sometimes you can tell Zach's hate hates taking damage. I will do everything possible <laughs> to not take damage. Like, oh, you're hitting me? Uh, shield, important. Uh, no, you're not. Uh, silvery. You, I haven't even silvery used. Barb. I think I haven't even used silvery barbs yet. But that shit is OP. No, I tried I to think. use it. I tried to use it, but I had already used my reaction. Oh, that's um, right. But silvery barbs. The way that that spell is written for the fey touched feet. I get it once for free, but I can also cast it after the fact, up to like you know I guess however many spell slots I have. So like, also got pretty nasty level ups last level. I think it yeah. may have been my most uh, potent level up yet, to be honest. I, I feel like Lucky. Starting with Lucky and being a portent wizard is what... Because you're, you're basically playing the magic equivalent of a control deck, right? Which in my mind, at the least. the deck I played in Magic the Gathering. There you go. It makes sense. Uh, my What is Dungeons & Dragons to Cody Me? Uh, it's just a, it's a collaborative story. It's friends hanging out. Right, I think Mark, you you hit this right on the head that no two games are ever going to be the same, no matter where you are. Every dungeon master has their own interpretation of the rules. Uh, certain dungeon masters have their own little ticks about certain things, and I'm sure you guys have seen mine. Whatever, right? Meta gaming. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a game between friends, like campfire style, sitting around. Um, which kind of brings me to my next question. Uh, was what are oh, hold on uh, oh what do I need to play D&D in your guys' minds now that you guys have had some time to play what do you think you would absolutely need to play D&D if you I had never you played need, it before I think you need well I would say you need a DM first and foremost because if you've never played starting off as the dm i can't even imagine how difficult that would be but i think <laughs> I you need <laughs> at minimum you need a dm or someone who's willing to be the dm i think you need at least like three to four friends mm -hmm. i think you need the player's handbook because i think that's actually really important uh there's so many things inside that book um really? i think you need um well i said a dice <laughs> yeah i said a mm -hmm. dice obviously yeah, yeah. um but I think at that point, like, I, I, there's a lot of great channels out there that, uh, you know, have some really great advice on character building. Um, you know, I think you have to kind of be willing to put yourself out there because, you know, it is kind of a nerdy thing. And 
you know, some people play with their first time with a bunch of strangers, and you either have to ro- decide if you're going to role play like what level you are. Because for the first campaign, I could never really get into it because I was kind mm-hmm. of embarrassed, to be honest. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think there's that, right? Um, and uh, you know, I think I think just the desire to and the dedication to do it, because you know, I think there's nothing worse than starting something and then not finishing it. So. You know, I would, that's what I would say. Agree. Um, I think that you guys are right across the board. Uh, set of dice, whether that's on your phone, like a free roller app. Uh, Google has like stuff on there and pen and paper. All the other resources, you can go to a library and find them. You can talk to a friend. There are multiple websites that have like stuff posted. You don't have to go invest, you know, 70 bucks for three books and you know, go, go hog wild with like dice and rollers and stuff. You don't need all that. And if you show up to like a, your local game shops, typically they'll have something called adventure league, uh, which is where they have a dungeon master come in. He's given like a pre-written story and, um, statistics for people who want to just come and play. And it's all just drop in. I did adventure league for two years and, uh, at our local shop called Merlin's, I literally just come and set up and I had no clue who was coming. Sometimes it was, you know, three people, Sometimes it was seven or eight, right? And yeah. the the whole thing for it is that you don't have to bring anything for Adventure League. You just show up, and they will give you what you need. They give you a piece of paper. You always have, like, spare character sheets and stuff, and they'll teach you how to play on the spot. And like Mark said, it's, it's great because you get a good mix of, like, veteran players who either don't have the time to play, their group couldn't meet, uh, they don't want to transition to online, which is something I don't understand, but it's kind of an older, like get a guy in like his 40s or 50s who's been playing for a really long time since like second or first edition they're like wow where's the thaco for this edition like oh there is no thack zero my guy it's it's all all dice rolls so uh, yeah Mm -hmm. most definitely um other than that 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 kind of brings us to the types of D &D, uh which we have kind of covered so uh in my mind there's three types you have theater of the mind which is where you literally just have your piece of paper in front of you Dungeon Master, if he's super descriptive, is just like, oh, here's your Wait, environment. What? what? What is this mean, Gigi? Just at me next time, Zach. What does that even mean? Yeah. Oh, the drama in the comments. I don't know either. Dare you, Gigi. Um, yeah, theater of the mind. You're just playing in your own imagination with everyone else around you, uh, which can be really hard for some people uh, with your visual people. Tabletop, which adds a different dynamic. Because there's more rules for tabletop gaming, and it's probably the most popular one, or virtual. And virtual kind of sums up actually all three of those together. So that's kind of nice. Speaking of yeah. tabletop, yeah, I think that as far as the uh, requirements we were just talking about, if you happen to be a millionaire, you can get one of those really awesome Wormwood gaming tables that yeah. I've been like coveting for years. For 30 grand. Oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. <laughs> Dude, I want one. <laughs> Dude, I want one too. And I, I was joking with my wife it's last so year about it. And I was like, oh, we could just make it the dinner table. It's got like slats that you can put on there. You just put a little thing over it. You wouldn't even know there's dragon accents on it. She's yeah, like, yeah, until know. someone spills something. And I was like, yeah, that would make me upset. You mess up the felt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I've always wanted to try that ever since we started uh, D&T. Like oh, to somehow yeah. put together a tabletop episode or something it would be so cool i would love that what i do with my home group here in spokane um we have like an older like flat screen it's like 50 inches 
and we actually have like a support that we built for it and it sits on this like camp table and then you put a piece <laughs> of plexiglass over it so i can still drag and drop maps or even use roll 20 with some of the pre-made stuff uh -huh. and you can still move your characters around and then if uh -huh. i don't have like i, I probably have like 150 miniatures total some like of them use, are in storage. like an ipad or something to like yeah i just plug my computer in so it's the second oh, monitor cool. essentially and I just DM awesome. from there, drag stuff over to the second monitor, move people around. It has the grid. It's a lot of fun. Um, but that's, I mean, there there are definitely different levels of D&D. &D. Some people go hardcore and they get like dice boxes and rollers and fancy books. And you, I would you don't say really we're fairly it, nice. hardcore on our channel. I would say like so. We have, I, we I think like Roll20 has snazzy stuff going on here. I, yes, with the 3D printing happening and like using Roll20 and how much like we have reinvested into the show, um, like hundreds of dollars on Roll20 so that we can have almost all the content. And it's yeah. nice because you don't have to search through any books. You can search by keyword and it makes things easier. So that's, that's really nice quality of life stuff there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, what do you think the best way to get a new player started is, and how do you guide them to stay away from the standard tropes or common character creation tropes? This is one I found I'm, offline. Be honest, I don't know what a trope is for Dandy. I feel like that's actually that a might, really good question too. That so might be some um, explanation, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever. I hope in our like our game, some new person's like, "Oh, that sounds fun. I want to play." That yeah. would be pretty cool, but I don't know. I, that, that's kind of how I would get new players by listening to our thing, but I don't know. I've never met someone and like converted them to play D and D. Yeah, because um, I don't get out much. That's okay. <laughs> like, I really like the way that Dean plays Burn in D and D because I think one of what you'd expect trope wise would be him to be just hardcore religious and just brutal with anyone he deems to be a threat. Stolas would have been dead a long time ago <laughs> yeah. if Dean played a paladin <laughs> in the most tropey way possible. Totally. But Burn is like, I don't know, I, he's just sort of laid back about it. He's like, this is my job. I'm a hero. People love me. And I'll definitely take down evil people, but he's also a little bit less like Judge Dredd and more like, I don't know, <laughs> just a little right. bit less hardcore about his yeah. religion and his dispensing of justice so uh, yeah, i don't think i've ever seen burn or, do any of that so we're like yeah, it's a good so, thing or a bad thing like, like if uh, zach zach tried to play ozal like harry potter because that's what he thought a wizard was supposed to be right. you know what i mean yeah. one of those things where it's like you have to put your own it's you playing a character as like you know and that's the part it's what fantasy is it's like oh what if i was a wizard this is what i would be you know what i mean yeah so you're not trying to play a character, you're trying to create a character. So you're putting your own twist on that character. You know That's what I a mean? good distinction, because, yeah, yeah it, it's sort because, of like that. It's, you know. Because, I mean, Dini, you would never eat somebody's god. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, it's Dini's interpretation of <laughs> eating somebody else. Come here, Jesus. Let me get that <laughs> Give me them ribs. No, but you're right, you're right. I'll it's, say it's, oh, I was a little you, too Jewish. You get to misbehave through these people, I guess, if you really wanted to. But D&D can bring out the worst in people sometimes. You know, again, it... Yeah. it Murder hobos. 
Oh, no. I've seen horror stories on Reddit. <laughs> DM'd horror stories uh, at cons of murder hobos. Yeah. Murder hobos? Yeah, what? so murder hobos are people that just like, like, you walk into a bar and you have like a couple rogues in the group or everyone's chaotic neutral. And they're just like, yeah, we'll take all this stuff and uh, you're not going to charge me for it or I'm going to kill you. Right? Or one player is just like, hmm. <laughs> So there's two guards outside, and I gotta sneak past the wall, and I'm gonna kill every guard in this town that I can. When the rest of the party's trying not to metagame, so they're like, oh, I wonder where so-and-so is. Should we go look for him? And he's like, no, 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 you guys are asleep, remember? I'm an elf. I only have to sleep for four hours, and then I go get to make mischief as a rogue. And they just end up killing a bunch of NPCs for no reason. And a bad dungeon master, or maybe a less seasoned dungeon master is a nice way of saying it, uh, sometimes we'll just let it happen, right? Or like Adulia said, like murder hobos, like your average GTA player, right? You punch <laughs> the person, take their oh, car. No. But uh, a less seasoned dungeon master doesn't know how to handle it, and it kind of makes them frustrated, or they just throw like something really bad at them just to kill the character. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and I think this is where the folly of, well, that's what my character would do kind of falls into. And that's there's a fine line with that of like, I... I don't allow stealing at my table from other players. If you're the rogue, like you don't get to steal from other players on your team because that takes away the track from that person's fun. Um, yeah. And it's like, I wouldn't let someone else steal from one of my friends in real life if we went to their house. Right. So it's kind of the same thing there, but NPC is a free game. So it just, it depends. There's, there's a lot of situations that you can come up with that kind of make things hard as a dungeon master or quick calls, like being able to sound alarms is a very common thing that dungeon masters forget that guards can do. Like you botch a roll. That guard may or may not fight. He might, you know, call for backup. It's the now all of China knows you're here situation with the Huns, yeah. right? Yeah, all and right. That, I mean, because we hit, we dealt with that. Uh, I don't know if it was last episode, or the episode before, with Stolos being killed because, well, like, not killed, not killed, taken. Well, uh, yeah, ta well, yeah. She's she's he got well, his anyways. ass kicked. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like, yes. like I knew for the story that's what the story needed because it was like. Oh, that's sure. super dynamic and everything. But, like, the growing up, I'm like, you know, as much I was very masculine growing up, but man, I'm very much a Disney princess. I love a happy ending. I love birds chirping. You know, I love, you know, a joyful ending. So, like, I was like, how am I supposed to kill my partner? You know what I mean? But, <laughs> right. but it works for the story. So, and, and it's hard because you literally have human emotions as a character, but that's not really my character is supposed to be a barbarian. I'm supposed to just be this, like, hawked out, like, I don't give a shit. You I know mean, what yes I mean? No. So, you can be a sensitive so, barbarian. But, you, but, but that, and that's what it comes So that's what, I, you know, so then that's the hard part. But that's that's part of playing the character and then you building your character. So I need to know with my character. It's like, okay, well, you know, he's a tough guy, but he's a little bit of a puss sometimes, you know. He's got, <laughs> you got feelings, you know. You, you, but, you yeah, know, it's you being flexible. Along the journey. But that's part of yeah. playing. You, you have to play the game to get to that point to where you just understand you know, this is the, you know, because yeah. that's what I said. We get into it. Like, you know, Zach gets very personal. He does. Because Zach, Zach, the next morning, like 3 a.m., it's like, I all right, guys, this this thing and this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he won't let Cody, it go. Cody, what the fuck? <laughs> Cody, what the he fuck is my most common? Why would, you, why would you turn me into a snake, Cody? Story reasons, dude. But that why is the why worst you thing you've ever done? Snake? Okay, uh, that was one of the worst things I've ever done. It is done. the worst thing I have done. So far. Thus far. <laughs> Man, I feel like I've said that Talk a lot. to me after the dragon fight, and we'll, we'll talk. How um, dare you. 
So I, I, uh, and we'll get to that. Anyways, um, to, to sum up, I guess, on my end on this, with new players, the best way you can get them into it is find something that really gets them excited, right? Even if they start feeding into those tropes, those are things that you can, like, train characters. And I think Zach and I have talked to this to a point, like, hey, I need you to be Zach Gandalf playing Ozol, not Gandalf being Ozol playing Zach, right? Like, you can draw your inspiration from that character, but at the end of the day, you can't necessarily base every choice you would make off of off of a fictional character because, A, you didn't write that character, and B, sometimes it'll lead you down a path that's really hard to get out of or locks you into a certain, like, trajectory, uh, and it can be hard. So I think really, really pushing your players to be invested in their character is the best way to help a new player, like, be excited about Dungeons & Dragons. As for tropes, I mean, I could care less, man. If you're having fun and it doesn't hurt anyone else, that's fine. The edgy trope, uh, like Adulia said earlier, does kind of get old. The tragic backstory with a really edgy character, that's fine. But if you're having fun with it, I'm not going to, you know, bash on you too hard for it. Yeah, also, so. th thanks for uh, Cash Cash to Gemini's in the uh, chat. Make sure to check out his channel and... And then Paul and Abdulio and all those people. There's tw there's 13 people watching, so like just make sure oh, you hit that like, thanks, like button. Wow. Because I mean, D and D doesn't get that that type of traffic because it's D and D is making its, it's way hard to like, invest uh, in. To pro you know, it is. Not a lot of people have five and a half hours to. Uh, exactly. Like time wise, it's hard to invest so, in. So I mean, yes. it's cool when people do because we're all invested into it. And obviously, yeah. I mean, we're 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 deep into it. Me and Zach, the last last week man i appreciate it. zach it's like we it's like getting nudie pics man he's like wow. oh, look at this look at this detail wow. that was between us mark i'll tear you oh man but it's been it's been really exciting all the work zach's been doing for me thanks bro I appreciate my it. next question goes for everyone is it okay to fudge rolls just from your perspective whether you're the dungeon master or player if you're sitting at a table or playing online are you okay with someone fudging rolls zach is that possible to fudge rolls in person? So, yes and no. Um, so, one of the big things you can do... Oh, you, like, quickly right, pick it up? <laughs> right, is, is do this. No, oh, you can't even see my dice. Right? I, I, I roll the five, but when I pick it up off the table, I can turn to the next number quickly, so oh. it's either 15 or 18. Right? Or um, people are like, oh, that's cock die, and, like, pick it up super quick, even if it's not cock uh -huh. die. That happens a lot in, like, dice trays. Um... Uh, I'll, online you use different roller than what everyone else is using so they can't see your rolls well i mean i i guess as the dm i guess that's part of it right as the player i think you know you should have the dice that you roll and the way that we play it's not really possible because the dice is like a public thing everyone can see mm -hmm. it like as soon as you press it um Ozol, I think, is the exception because his character allows him to futz rolls, but that's like all right. part of being the portent wizard. Class. So for me, yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course, let's futz those rolls. But I would, I would say no. I, I don't, I don't know that I think anyone would say yes. Yeah, no, I, I think I that yeah, that's horrific because you know anybody that's ever played Monopoly or anything like that, that gets a ta that's a, that's a table flipping moment. That is awful. Yeah. But I also, as a DM, you know what I mean? Sometimes the game, like, the rules are just going, like, you know, it's turning in, into a little bit of a shit show. A bloodbath. So, for the DM to, like, then, you know, the, the DM to kind of manipulate the role a little bit, I think that's I think that's cool. Because it's, it's all about playing, having fun. You know what I mean? 
nobody's nobody's gaining statistics. You know, nobody at the end of the night saying, you know, I had this many advantage rolls and whatever. It's all right. about having fun. So I think for the DM to manipulate it in a sense of like the storytelling without like, like, I mean, like specifically fucking a character. Like let's say somebody shows up. Like you talk about when you're playing in person and everybody orders pizza and you get that one guy that doesn't give money. So you're right. thinking, okay, <laughs> this this character has to die. You know what I mean? So you know. <laughs> Then, then it's like, you know, it's it's money ground, you know, there's... Where's my $5 sack? Yeah, that's a little <laughs> right. bit of a personal. But as far as the game yeah. goes, I think for the DM to manipulate the game a little bit for, you know, just for storytelling. Because nobody wants to go in and have the whole team die. Because as, as a DM, you're not going to be like, oh, you know, that's game, bitches. You know what I mean? You're <laughs> not going to, like, gloat over people because, you know, then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I yeah, it's over like, ashes. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what Dungeons and Dragons is just about that like interaction. You you know you want to take a little beating here and a little beating there because you know it's fun. You don't want to take it. You know you you want your character su- to succeed, but at the same time, it's not a. It's not you don't want to blow anybody out. You know, right? You want that like that overtime game, with that like you know twelfth inning walk off home run situation. You know what I mean? You don't want to be sitting there like doing some Deion Sanders, like, "Oh yeah, you 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 know you suck." You know I'm gonna I'm right. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna teabag you on your death. You know <laughs> on your death. You know what I mean? Shit. I don't even know where this yeah. is going. No, but I'm saying I'm just saying as a D I'm DM. That's the only way you can do it. Yeah. But you know because yeah. but you know that and that's all part about being a good DM. So really, that's what I'm saying. Nobody should manipulate roles at all. Except the DM to make the game better, but at the same time, the DM's not supposed to be this like OP shit on people. I'm sorry, it was over. No, you're fine. You're fine. What do you think, Stoloff? Or um, Wow. <laughs> Whoa! I just read your name on the screen. That's fine. Um, so I remember in our first our first uh, round of D and D, we just had bought. Well, I had bought my own personal dice set. And we were all having to roll off screen because it took us a long time to get to this like cool place where we're at, where we're at, and right. we have roll twenty, and yeah. everything's all taken care of us, and it's very streamlined. But in the beginning, I had these oversized dice I bought. I bought them because they were pretty, but they rolled terribly. Yeah. And I, the temptation to lie about my roll was there constantly oh, yeah. because they were so unbalanced and crappy i was like these are the worst dice i was like they're terrible but in the interest of fairness you like you can't do that because yeah. i mean what's fun is playing the game if you're not going to be honest about what you're doing it's kind of like a video game too like if you if you want to play a game and you've beaten it a hundred times before and yeah if you want to put some crazy skyrim mods in there to make it ridiculous sure but at least try to make an effort to be honest with right. how you're rolling, especially if no one's there to keep you accountable. I like Roll20 yeah. because it's on the screen. It's for everyone to see. And it's like a non-negotiable. you got to live with it. Right. But Roll20 has been very kind to me compared to the original <laughs> dice that I actually had. So yeah. even if Stola the- sometimes rolls terribly, yeah, it's still the- an improvement, right. believe it or not. And um, I don't know if you, you know anybody has played computer games when they were younger, and if once they realize that you can do commands to cheat it, oh yeah, it ruins ends up ruining the game. You know what I mean? Because I, I would I would put hundreds of hours into games, and then as soon as I get, I learned commands, I'm like, oh, this is cool, and then you just kind of like op your situation, and then you you're tired of that game within a week. 
and right. so that's why you should you got you got to take your losses you know yeah and that's that's it's part of D D. it's like what it's owning your losses you you take them sexy you know what i mean you die a good death you know you do a, you 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 pull a good boromir in there you know I'm sorry. i i explained it too much i don't like to fudge dice i will do it from time to time um if i'm pulling back like a certain character or i'm trying to set a pacing for things um part of the reason why i roll behind the dungeon master screen is in each of the character slots yeah, uh, some characters will have like certain abilities they can use, and it gives me just like an average damage. So if I roll a long sword, it says seven next to it. I don't have to roll anything. If I hit, right? I ask Zach like, "Hey, I rolled twenty-one. Does that hit you?" Zach says, "Yeah." All right, you take seven damage, right? Uh, if he wants to use an ability to like make me re-roll dice, at that point I will like re-roll it two times on my end of the screen and take the lowest result or whatever, or just cut it in half and say, "Okay, well I deal four now." Um. But the, the only time I do it is to pull back in a fight if sometimes a creature comes out hitting way too hard, way too fast. Because that, that's the hard thing about Dungeons & Dragons. Everything's random. So when you're building encounters, you've got to make sure they're really balanced. Because if I have a creature that can do like sustainable damage of 30, 40, 50 points in a round, that's an instant kill for Kringlis, right? That's almost an instant kill for Ozol, depending on health. My Barbarian's going to take half damage if it's a non-magical weapon. So that doesn't matter so much. That's only 25 points of damage. And I got to be able to hit the paladin to get him. So th- there's just kind of a time and a place for it, and I really try not to do it. I really like to let the dice settle where they settle. That it is what it is, right? If your character dies, I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to be your adversarial DM at all. Um, <laughs> but it sometimes that's how the encounter goes. But there's always the flip side of that 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 adds to the drama of the situation. Oh shit! Like how are we going to raise this character, or how are we going to save him, or you know, do we pull back? Do we run away? Those are options you have as characters, and it makes the fight a little bit more dynamic. So, in yeah, short, I don't really round, like to fudge. Yeah, we'll last ahead, round, I felt terrible because I had Marius looking out for me when he could have been oh. performing these really awesome spells. <laughs> well, and I could tell he was just like, oh, damn. Like I had it is part of the plan. cleric's job to heal, right? Like yeah, it, so he told know. me that. He goes, that's literally my job as a character. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. but... It, it ruined your coolness, dude. Like <laughs> your flashiness, <laughs> your spells. Um, my next question is: Has there been a piece of advice given to you by a veteran player that has stuck with you? Hmm. I can. Unfortunately, go first, I don't know yeah, anyone but us that plays D anD D. So oh, I haven't been okay. given much advice honestly except for you guys so sure um it's just you know the basic stuff that we've been talking about you know just kind of getting out of your comfort zone to role play and actually role play as opposed to just like last round cody i was like hey can i do this and you're like well role play it yeah yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah <laughs> i can't just <laughs> ask you to do something like i need to put some effort into this so yeah yeah that that's a really good point there is like sometimes um like the D live show is one of the cool ones that i've i saw uh with chris perkins and a, a group called acquisitions incorporated and the cleric was out of spells and like they were about to die and he's like chris who's the dungeon master he's like i got a hail mary for you and he's like you can always try that's like his slogan for dungeons of the dragons so he like stops and makes up this whole role play player prayer to his god on the spot and he's like do you want me to roll anything for it 
And like the dungeon master is like sitting thinking about it. He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to give it to you. Cast a spell, whatever you want to cast that's within your, your range. You, you get one free one from your god. Uh, so that's kind of cool. So that role playing, that's huge. You know, play to your character strengths. Uh, the biggest piece of advice I was ever given is don't split the party. Uh, I think that's the baseline Dungeons and Dragons. That's how you end up with two fights and multiple things. It can be fun sometimes to do if you're in a relatively safe place. But uh, nine times out of ten, the Dungeon Master will find a way to uh, not make an example out of it, but make something funny or something dynamic happen because there is that chance for it to to happen. Like, oh, a character gets kidnapped. You know, something gets stolen from you. It ends up in this huge like heist chase thing. And then when your character comes back, you're like, oh, where were you at? I was at the market. I don't want to talk about it, right? Or that kind of thing. Uh, but that really comes down to like dungeon play. When you guys were in Death House, like Terrace was splitting the party. And you guys are like, dude, dude, stick with us. Like, don't split the party. And then he ended up getting, he got hit by something big, if I remember correctly. He took like 30 points of damage and it ended up making a whole nother encounter where you guys were trying to rest. Yeah. So. And he set off the alarm at the witch's windmill, <laughs> yeah. too. He didn't dude, learn his lesson at all. <laughs> dang rogues. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Um, how do you prepare for role play or what inspires you to role play when you role play? I, I always feel like even before I heard this, there was a thing. Um, it was, I was watching highlights of critical role and, uh, I want to say it was Jester, the actress that plays Jester, mm -hmm. f f like lost her accent in the middle of a game. Like she couldn't get it back. Right. And I think it's important to have like a phrase that's kind of like your baseline. That's what I call it. I, I, she, there was a word for it. I, maybe it was baseline. But for me, it's like having a baseline. Like, a, like I remember the first time we played with Max. When I heard his accent, it like my mind got fucked. Like, if you if you <laughs> listen to that second episode, like I went to like a British accent for some reason, or like some weird accent that wasn't even my character, because his accent just totally threw me off. So I have like a baseline for my character that like if I ever forget my accent or like ever, um, I don't know. Like our accents change over time. Like even Mario's and his was way different in the beginning. Same with those walls. But I have this like one phrase that I can kind of get back into the mindset. And like it's kind of like a reset button. Like if I lose it or if Cody's ever like character voice or whatever, it helps me bring it back to that. So that would be my advice is like have a baseline. What about you, Mark? Oh, man, I'm horrible at role-playing on Roll20. So I'll just tell you, you just got to be comfortable. You got to own your character. You know, you can't worry about what, you know, anything else other than just, you know, you know your character, know what your character is supposed to be, you know, who he is, and give him a little attitude. You don't have to do a special voice, you know, you don't have to do some 16th century something voice or whatever because i sound like a i mean i sound like a doofus no matter what i do so you, you just gotta Christ. be con you gotta be confident doofus <laughs> i mean think about it you know right you, people gotta know that you're a doofus so just just own the own your doofus so you know that's same thing i thought like we're talking about playing a game because a lot of people that I don't know how many of you guys, like, when you're growing up, everybody had, like, a stick that they, you know, I had a bunch of brothers, and we were poor, so we used to beat each other in a leg, you know, this is a sword, this is a staff, you know, some people, you know, right? they're like freaking Darth Maul, you know what I mean, like, we're sitting there, like, slapping each other upside the head, and that was role-playing when you were younger, 
So now you're too old to be sitting there beating each other with sticks. So, and really, and you know, I mean, that's what it is. You're, 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 you, this is adult imagination because when you go yeah. to work, work sucks. There's nothing cool about that, you know. I mean, some people love their job, not me. I don't know about any of you guys. So this is just a way. To, it's 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 D and D is the ultimate escapism, because listen, you go ahead, you build your own. Uh, pronouns and everybody's cool with it you know what i mean i'm right. a freaking you know i'm a snake i'm a you know whatever and it's cool Mistake. you know what i mean it doesn't matter so yeah. it's like it's so awesome so that's and that's what makes this game great you know it, it, it's the, you're you're just building a world that doesn't matter and you're just trying to have fun everybody's trying to have fun yeah. and if you're not you'll play a couple games and then nobody will talk to you and you're no longer play D. so anybody that's played for a while has got to be pretty cool you know what i mean right so, that's what makes this game so great. Dini, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think um, I think by far one of the one things I kind of regret the most is that I don't have much talent in the way of voice acting. So, sure. Stolas just sounds like me. <laughs> and the <laughs> amount of times I've heard everybody call Stolas a she because he sounds like a girl yes. is like, there's just so many instances of that. So... Uh, with this new character, Kranglis, you know, I made an effort to invest in changing the voice because I knew I couldn't do it. So I was like, I can't just sound like a robot. That's going to sound really dumb. So uh -huh. um, I'll just get a voice changer. So, you know, I can, it, it was just a tool for me to take the character I already had in mind to make him a little different and better than what right. I could physically do myself. So I can do that because we're playing online and through right. our computers. Uh, obviously, you can't do that around a table with your friends. But um, if you're like me and you're just, you know, you, you don't have the acting ability that some people do. Like, you don't uh, want to be Marius's doing that beep, accent beep, boop, bop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marius has such an amazing accent. And. I wish I could do that, but I can't. So, um, you know what? I, I hate to say it, it, it. Yeah, it doesn't. It makes it intimidating for anybody else to do a voice. You know what I mean? Right. Because yeah. then it's gonna be well, like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you you do it really stupid <laughs> compared to you know. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I figured, you know, at least at least in this regard, um, I can't really change Stolas at this point, but I could make an effort to do something a little different with Kranglis, and so that's how I kind of approached it. Is sure. I think I'm getting better in terms of the acting ability and the role playing ability. But it's funny the other day my voice is impossible. Yeah. yeah. The other day me and Dean were arguing, like I think it was right after the last stream. Yep. And Dean was like, Zach, you don't even use a voice. And then Dean's like, What are you talking about? He uses the old old man voice. And I was like, Oh my god. Apparently it works for somebody. Yeah. I was so happy. No, no, you're like, definitely I always I always feel like man. my character's voice like your, your I don't tone know. gets it's, a little it, gentle and quieter. It's, yeah, it's not it's not your voice. It's the it's the percussion. It's the um what what do they call that? The uh, the inflection. Yeah, it's the infl cadence. It's the cadence yeah. of how you talk. There you, you go. You know, it's got that it's got that wisdom. You know what I mean? No, it, Thank it, you it totally works. It's funny because I was it made me feel really good when you said that because I was like, oh okay, like maybe it's working in some way, like. There's the differentiation there. I don't know. It made me feel really proud as a role I player. I know when Ozol is talking and when Zach is talking. Oh, right. That makes me so happy. Thank you so much. Yeah. That, that actually really made my day when you said that. I was like, yes. 
See, I'm so bad that when I switched to Hadar in the roleplay moment, like two, two or three episodes ago, no one got it. Yeah. It's but right. if we had the scary voice changer, we would have gotten That's it. True. I, That's true. I think the I biggest now, advice I can, I can give to any player is if you're going to do an accent, make sure it's sustainable. Because if you talk like this the entire night, your voice is going to hurt the next day. Or yeah. if you find like an accent that you love and then you can't replicate it for whatever reason, it'll throw people off and you'll be like, where's your character voice? And you're like, I forgot what it was. Or you just pull Cody and I have a character whose character voice I've forgotten so many times, which is Arthur. That his oh no, new trope, See, Arthur is your best Arthur is the best boy. NPC of all time. His trope every is that time I just I give him a new accent. He says he's going to kill Arthur. I do. How does that supposed to he will die. Arthur's voice does change a little feel bit. As a human yeah, being. It is Curse of Strahd. With feelings. Well, you guys will die at some point. I said take Faye. That's what I said. Nope. If you, if you kill Arthur, it has to be this epic moment. Nope. You can't just kill him. You can't kill him. He's just going like, to no. fall in a hole and fall infinitely and then stop you know falling what? infinitely and die you know who else? You know who else fell into a hole? Darth Maul. Gandalf. And guess Gandalf. what? <gasps> Whoa! Arthur is Gandalf confirmed. <laughs> there we he, go. He came, he came back as uh, <laughs> Arthur the White. I have Arthur so much White. magic power! <laughs> Unlimited um, power. Able, able to break other white wizards' staffs <laughs> and everything. His his power Hard is the fourth four. wall, I think. That's yeah. his. <laughs> yep. Um, last two questions here. The first one is, what, if any, do you have for home rules and how do they apply? Um, with our game, I think we have a couple house rules that we play with. One is the rule of cool. Um, I try to say yes to my players as much as I can within reason. Right, um, so I try to find cool ways to either that they can role play it or earn something they want, or like Dean one times like, "Hey, I got a critical hit, but I want to like see if I can spin that and some of the resources that we have to you know hit one person around me each time or make an attack on everyone around me at the same time." I'm like, cool, I love it. We'll let it happen this one time. Let's try and do it. Um, the other big ones are the boon rolls. When Zach originally came up with this idea, like, hey, like, this is a way for, you know, patrons to support the show. Uh, we could take that money. We could put it back into Roll20. You know, we did, like, the Paul Schreiber dice thing with it and other books and, you know, like, now miniatures and stuff. Um, we twisted that a little bit because it does throw off the balance of my game. But I also don't want you guys, like, if you feel like you want to give, I'm not going to tell you no because it does support the show. Uh, so Why we found it? a way to to balance that with uh, uh, shadow points, which is something relatively new that hasn't really come into effect yet. And that's kind of a loose definition for me that I'm working through and trying to figure out how to use appropriately. Uh, the other big one was polymorph. Uh, originally, I had told Zach, based on a rule that I had played with as a kid, of your character can only turn into the animals it's experienced, which is hard with Zach's character being so old and gone so many places. So originally I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, we yeah, kind of well, talked okay. about it. Let's, Go ahead. I want to talk about from my point because you were like, yeah. well, Polymorph is pretty OP. And I kept telling you, like, Cody, like, here, here was my argument against that. I was like, one, it's a spell at level seven I can cast once a day, right? In any given day, we might have one to three or four encounters. So I really have to keep that in my back pocket. Right. Two... Once I cast it, it's just a concentration spell. So, like, a magic missile, like, 
any damage forces a check. And if I cast it on myself, it's at a huge disadvantage. If I cast it like on, on Stolos at that point, like it would be much better, but still, it's still a concentration right. check. And then three, I was like telling you like, Cody, like there's a lot of threads on Reddit. Like as a DM, like you should build your encounters to like scale with the player. So one encounter shouldn't just randomly be able to be wrecked by right. a T-Rex dropping into the battle. Like it, it should make it harder, but it shouldn't be like, I can just walk into the room and just cast polymorph every time and just wreck every encounter. Right. So I, I, I felt like in that moment, cause there was a few times like throughout leveling up where I've been like, okay, I'm gonna use the spell. And you're like, well, you got to get the component first and then it would take like three months to get it. And I'd be like, okay, well now it's like not even a oh, point. For to do it. So yeah. So in my head, I was like, Cody, like, I feel like you're soul rolling me. Like the book pretty much rules as written in the book. It's pretty open. Right. And then I know you, like you had said, well, I'm going to rule it with the way these guys rule it, your favorite DMs. Right. And in my head, I was like, well, my favorite DMs run it this way. Right. And I was like, I wish I kind of would have known that before I took the spell because now. Sure, sure. And then we also had not only that, but then a, another ruling, which I think we were going to talk about also, we about how about it acts it. once it triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there's a question. I'm going to leave it on screen so we can make sure to get to that. Yeah. But what 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 do we've what have we come up with so far so we'll back up two steps here because you'd mentioned something that i think is really important that we bring up to our players so curse of strahd as a whole a is probably the second or third hardest campaign rules is written um in the campaign guide the only magic items that are given out to players are either like the sun sword which we changed to burn for the sun hammer um like the blood spear or several other extremely cursed items. Wait, the Craven Spear is part of the campaign? I thought you made that up. Oh, no. The, the Blood Spear. I made Craven up because I was like, oh, we could, like, souls never die in Barovia. Let's just bring this guy back. Gives me a chance to use a, a little bit of a harder monster that also levels the playing field of this CR. So sometimes, like, um, and, and we'll get to that. Actually, we'll move forward into that, like, CR and balancing encounters. So with Zach with Shadow Spawn. I, I, as the Dungeon Master, rules is written. I'm supposed to run this campaign extremely, extremely bare bones. Like, players have a really hard time getting new gear. If they do have an opportunity to get it, it's, like, three times as expensive as it is anywhere else because it's a closed, isolated system, right? The mist doesn't allow a lot of people to move outside of the mist with the exception of some incursions from other mist lords when they're, like, fighting other dread domains. Um... Everything's supposed to be kind of ancient and dusty, and it's it's really, really resource light. Like, you don't find a lot of spells other than what the players get. There's lots of traps, lots of curses, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when I was building the show, I kind of have to walk this really fine line of still keeping to the heart of what Curse of Strahd is, in my mind, um, because several other Dungeon Masters will just be like, well, why are you running it that way? Why did you ruin it that way? And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to run it my way. Because that's the only way that it's going to be fun to me, is if I put my own spin on it. And so far, it's worked really well. So I was like, well, what's the middle ground for this player? Because I think that that's the most important thing as a dungeon master, is if your character asks for something, you got to find a way to say yes, within reason. So Zach's like, is there a glass blower? Is there something I can do to get this? And I was like, I mean, technically, if you don't have the material components, you got to find a way to get it. So I, on reflection, was like, yeah, I'll throw in this thing. There's a glass blower shop here. You know, roll randomly to see if you can find it. 
that kind of didn't work out. So he's like, can I just buy it? Well, I was like, sure. So part of that was where Slag came in. We built him as a character as the magic item vendor so people could buy things off of him. And actually, I, I have been spending over the last two weeks building an entire store now that Velaki is different. So each of those named NPCs that you guys have met several times actually have inventory in their shops for things for you guys to buy. Fun fact, just briefly, Ozal gave a um, a letter to the Were-Raven from the winery, and we never talked about it that again. That was the letter. We didn't explain it, but that was the letter... To, to, as part of returning the jewel, that wine owner would blow a glass, which was yep. given to Slag, which was given to Ozal. So that's, we right. never really explained that, but that's a little bit of a plot hole that if you're watching now, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. As for so. game-breaking spells, I rolled back the restrictions on Polymorph after kind of working out this video, because I was like, you know what? You know, we're high enough level now, I don't think it matters. Pretty much everyone else is on par. I was like, I'm just going to let it roll. We'll let it happen. Um... So we, there are no more restrictions on Polymorph. It's just rules is written now. But it's really hard as a dungeon master to give a player... Because our game is all improv. Like, I don't know what my players are going to do. I have a core story outline that I have chopped into bullet points. Literally, when I plan my stuff, I'm like, go here, do this. Objective of quest is this. And then everything else is on token layers. So... I have my group of monsters here. So when my characters come down the hallway, there's an illusion wall. These goblins shoot, you know, ballista bolts or, you know, crossbow bolts at these players. The players have to figure out where the wall is. They're going to use possibly these four things. It's a little bit of anticipation on me, but there's always going to be a situation at the table where a player does something and you're like, uh, and you have to make a, a quick decision that's fair or rules is written. You have to do some research. And it happens a lot. I'm not a perfect dungeon master. Like, yeah, I've been playing for a long time, but there there are situations that are unique to everything. So part of that is that, yes, uh, you could drop a T-Rex into any fight. Sometimes it will trivialize the fight. Sometimes the fight is just a random encounter for the day. And that's kind of one of the other things I took out of Curse of Strahd is that every day that the party travels on the road, they're supposed to have three encounters. Three combat encounters is a lot. That's like three hours of combat. Right. If each person takes one minute turn, most of our combat's lost about an hour, hour and a half, depending on how big the fight is. It kind of gets monotonous and less fun. So I've cut some of that out for audio reasons for the show. Yeah. So yes and no, it is hard to balance, you know, creatures and types and actions. There, we could talk about action economy for hours about, you know, repercussions of, okay, well, I have five players at the table, which means each of them gets a turn plus their familiars plus you know, how many minions, leaders, and things like that do I have? So it gets complicated and hard, but I do try to make it fair. The other thing yeah. that we brought up is rules interpretations that we have house-ruled. Um, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast, the, the perfect example of this is the lightning bolt, I think, that happened last episode. Uh, I ruled it on the spot as like, okay, well, they're just going to defer damage anyways due to some special abilities they have. We ended up pulling the rules from Mike Merles and... Uh, since we're playing on a grid system, you have the four faces of the square and then like the four corners of the square. Some dungeon masters will say, well, the angle doesn't matter as long as it follows the full line. In my yeah. mind, that, that breaks the system of like, well, if it says it takes up this, describe to me how you're using it and I will give you a result that is fair across the board, which is why I asked Zach some questions about it. And Mike Merles was like, well, those, you know, whether you shoot off the face or whether you shoot in between the lines... They both look right to me. It's up to the DM's discretion. Yeah. 
sometimes it is what it is. It's hard to make calls like that, but you also kind of have to make it fair across the board. I don't try to look at it as if I'm your enemy. I'm just trying to make sure this the spell goes off rules as written. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of our house rules and questions. Uh, let's let's do Abdullah's question. Sure. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'll say, do you want to read it? Oh, I can. Abdullah, at Cody, have you experienced any downside of the critical role making D&D mainstream and many new players wanting their games to be as grand as critical role and getting upset when it isn't? Yes. Uh, that is a thing that happens. So critical role has an extremely high budget. They're professional voice actors, all of them across the board. Uh, Matt Mercer is not only a professional voice actor, but he's a storyteller writer. He's like the Tony Stark of Dungeons and Dragons, right? He does it all, makes it, builds it. And he has a, a copious amounts of free time and is paid to be a dungeon master all the time. Um, I tell my players be like, look, man, like I'm, my goal is to make sure that if you come and sit at my table, that you have had fun. And when you walk away, you feel good about most things. There are going to be some exceptions to that rule. There are some sessions that suck for players. There are some encounters that happen where people get upset because, you know, one wizard, you know, launches a burning hands or something and it hits everyone or fireball. Uh, mistakes <laughs> happen. It was one time 20 episodes ago. I know. But you were upset afterwards is, is the point I was trying to make, right? Like, yeah, no, oh, was... like I fucked up. Like, no, it's, you know, it's part of the learning curve. Yeah. Uh, I just tell people like, look, man, in... Unless you have a million dollars, you know, an entire crew of people to help you film, we're not going to be critical role. We're just going to be the best that we can be, and we're going to have fun, and that's that's my goal at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. What's his second comment? Uh, I heard critical role is the bane of many DMs due to the influx of players expecting critical role level sessions or just right outright copying critical role characters. Yeah, that kind of goes back to, to character building. Um, not every character class is for every person um any person can play any class sometimes it just doesn't click with their personality or how they play sometimes they don't understand how it's written i think it's really important as a dungeon master that you have a large amount of communication with your players and you try and help them as much as you can i life happens too like i'm a i'm a family man i have two sons and a wife and I run my own business out of my house, so I have six other residents that I take care of as a caregiver. So I'm, I'm decently busy, but I really do try to find times to, to help players. Sometimes I, I miss that connection, and I, I own it, right? That's the big thing. But I, I think when you were trying to copy someone else's stuff, you could maybe copy the setting and the story, but those events are never going to play out the same because that's like trying to play a book. And some dungeon masters have a really hard time with this where they have a, what's called a DMPC where they create a non-player character who runs around with the party and that's super powerful and super cool. And it's literally the DM playing out a story in his own mind with his friends when it should be, my job as a DM is to be rules judge, make sure you have fun, do something cool and interpret the rules. Other than that, I really try to give my, my characters the space to go and do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. And then ask them, are you sure? Or you can try? Or, you know, what you're trying to say is you want to find a way to hit everyone in the room. I think that you would have to have a pretty big um, background in role playing or movie making or that kind of thing to be anywhere close to critical role. So uh, one more question before I go silent again. Would a one-shot of Call of Cthulhu or Arkham Horror with this group be possible for Halloween or sometime in the future? It's a really good question. Um, 
I eventually want to try a couple test systems. I know some of our players really enjoy just playing Dungeons and Dragons. They learn the system. They're still kind of new to it. So introducing new systems could be hard to them. Uh, it's something I'd probably have to ask the team about. Call of Cthulhu would be cool. It's very roleplay driven. I would really like to do like a Powered by the Apocalypse game uh, because the rules are a little bit simpler and it's extremely roleplay like driven. Like there's not a not to say there's not a lot of combat. Combat is a little bit more streamlined, whereas roleplay is kind of the more upfront thing. So it would just kind of depend. I would love to do that, Abdulio. Uh, so we'll we'll see for the future uh, what that holds. So maybe is my answer to that. Great um, questions, everybody. Yeah. Other than that, my my only last question here is, do you guys have any advice for DMs? And then I can give mine here at the end. Zach? If your players happen to meet a really great NPC named Arthur, uh, completely unrelated to the game that we're playing, of course, and the players all and the fans universally fall in love with said character, again, completely unrelated to our current situation and, and or campaign, don't kill that character. I don't know. Just just put it out there. Um, also, don't make your character a snake and then forget about it for like six months. That that was a toughie, to be honest. That was a that was an absolute toughie. So no adversity for <laughs> any character in the group or any NPCs attached to the character. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, that specific character again, oh, that's completely unrelated. <laughs> completely unrelated target. Okay, perfect. That would be my advice. Perfect. No, okay, I would say hear out your players because I think there's times that me and Cody have talked and we maybe didn't see eye to eye and, you know, eventually we'll come back and revisit it and, like, kind of work out a, a compromise and I think that's important. I think, you know, we're here to have fun. We're here to play these games. Um, but it's not fun if if no one's having fun. Like, you could tell there's, there's episodes sometimes where we're just all getting our shit kicked and I'm like, I'm not really having a good time. Um... <laughs> And I guess that's the point, right? Like adversity, but I think you've got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. But as long as not one single hair is hurt on my sweet Arthur, I think we'll make it out all right. Nice. D? Well, I'm going to get a hero STL printed of Arthur ASAP. There we go. Um, Wow, for DMs. Like, yeah. I'm so all, new all to this. DMs I don't think I have any right to give any advice at DM, but... You're uh, a player. It counts. Five minutes. Generally speaking, I think the best advice I could give if someone is going to try to be a DM and wants to help people out is, uh, especially for someone who's new, um, just enforce the rules in a way that's um, informative rather than punitive. <laughs> like. You know, there's there's situations where I have no idea what I'm doing, and Cody just comes in and he goes, you know what, I think it would be cooler if you went this way with your character. You know, uh, you don't necessarily have to do it that way if you don't want, but I'm telling you, like, this spell will help you better down the line. You know, you're not necessarily giving away any information on the story or necessarily uh, spoiling anything for the the player but you're just trying to guide them in a way that you've seen like in campaigns like this ability is completely useless like don't waste yeah. your time upgrading your character in a way that's just going to make them less effective uh, but character advice is huge I think just when you're 
going through the rules and going through the character development, especially on the technical side, not necessarily just story-wise, it's super fun when Cody just, hey, you know what, just don't waste your time with that. Or, hey, I think your build would be better if you went half-sorcerer, you know? I would have never known to do that. (laughs) So, uh, for someone who's new like me, I don't know all the nuances of character creation on the technical side either, so it's fun to learn all that stuff as I go along. Totally. What about you, you, Mark? Yeah, uh, a couple things. Like, uh, if you're, like, let's say you're a couple young kids, I don't know what whatever age young kids are now that are playing D&D. But, like, anytime there's a DM, it's supposed to be the most, you know, the most intelligent. Well, if you're very, if it's your first time, you know what I mean? Don't just go Monopoly and just try and make up your own rules. You know, you go to some of the kids' house and they got their own rules for different board games. You know what I mean? It's it's all about having fun and being cool. Now, for, like, the more experienced, like, uh, Cody does a great job. Cody will do that. Like, like, like what Deanie was just saying. If you If you're making a dumbass move, he'll say, are you sure you want to make that move? Unless you know what I mean? Like they'll they... just let you dragons breath your friend this down. Yeah. Okay. I was trying <laughs> to teach. Put half the example. party to sleep. <laughs> trying try to teach. Well, to be fair, I haven't done it that since. Work. So. It didn't work. Well, but that's also, true. But also, my problem in the moment was you laughed at me. Yeah. That, well, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> it happens. I'm sorry. I'm human. Yeah, but but the, but the DM, you're the DM's the one trying to tell a story. He's he's the selfless character in the in the game. You know what I mean? He's the most experienced player, but he's also the one allowing everybody else to have fun so in that sense that the dm has to know he's supposed to have fun too because i've i the one time i i I remember playing um the guy he just created like all his characters are op you know what i mean he would have all these npcs pop in and it's like oh you're being attacked by this guy that was just showed the hell up because you know what i mean the dm the idea isn't to win the fight as a dm it's about telling a cool story. So that's what it is. It's a role-playing. It's a role-playing board game. So you role-play. And most DMs know this, but if you know what I mean, if you're if you're a little bit newer, you know, don't you know, don't go in a little too cockstrong. You know what I mean? You're that's not that's not what you're here for. You're here to It's like that it's like the uh, umpire in baseball that mm. you know, he likes to throw people out right away. It's like, "No, no, no, dude. You're here you're here to, you, we're here to play the game." You know what I mean? So that's my only thing. Just Watch out for those DMs. You don't. Yeah. Want, you don't want that DM. My my advice for dungeon masters out there is don't be an adversary to your party. Now there, yep. there's a time and a place to make an encounter hard, and if you are in the mindset of an evil character like Strahd, yes, that is the the character's antithesis. But play them rules as written, because balanced encounters are important. Rules as written is important. Because it does put limitations on your characters. If you just start going in, like Mark said, cockstrong, like, oh, nope, sorry you fail. Nope, sorry you fail. You can't hit him. He has no obvious weakness. Or, you know, you don't have the imagination. Or, like Abdulia said, the, the god complex from the DM. That's a pitfall. Yeah. Uh, don't be their adversary, right? That kind of goes into my next one, which is find ways to say yes. Uh, so... If someone's like, man, I wish I could Kamehameha all of these guys. I'm like, okay, so what I'm hearing is... You want to find a way to do an area of effect damage. Is there something in the room that I have not described, like a chandelier that could fall, you know, a brazier that could be pushed over off a ledge, something like that? More experienced players, I guess, will kind of like be inclined to ask those questions, but don't be afraid to ask players, right? Find ways to say yes. 
Uh, the rule of cool is super important because you want your characters to feel cool, to be strong. They are heroes. So sometimes if you've got to bend a rule or twist a rule to make something cool happen, let it happen. You can revisit or talk to it afterwards, right? Maybe it's a one-time thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a new home rule that you guys love. Um, Zach, Zach hit on this one. Hear your players out because sometimes as a dungeon master, you are wrong. And it happens. And sometimes you're like, no, 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 no. And your player's like, yes, 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 yes. Page 134 says X, Y, Z. you're like, oh, I'm a giant ass, uh, which has happened to me. There was one time I was re-listening to the episode, and you got so mad at me. You were like, that's not how luck works. And I was like, no, I'm literally quoting the exact text. And you're like, nope, that's not how it works. And then you you were all mad at me. And I was like, what the hell? I'm just, I'm trying to use all my resources. I was like, but the way you said it, I was like, I'm, I'm like, look, my character's good at like one thing. And everything in the game can practically kill me with one shot. Let me have this one fucking thing that I'm good at. Yep. <laughs> and Which, I, by the I way, I, I do want to start flavoring portent next time we play. Because I feel oh. like it just happens and we never flavor it. We can do that. But I, I feel inspired at least just once to mention, like, what does that mean when it was all, like, portents, right? Yeah. You ask me for that mid-game, and I will give you an, an apt description. Uh, also, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna, I, I was gonna roll. Or if you want to do it, yes, that's cool too. I'm all about it. Unless your description's not good enough, Zach, then I have to kill Arthur. So make sure it's really good. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> not, not the Arthur in our game though. It's a different Arthur you don't know. Also, next game, yeah. someone bless Ozol, please. Oh, yeah, I need, totally. I need a rare magic item, and I know which one um, I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so own it apologize move on right be open to criticism i think that's huge um getting called out on your bullshit and i know know we're running long, but i just want to say like after what was it the last game or the one before or two before we had that big bar thing Hmm. i want to point this out we mentioned it once but again like i called cody the next day i think we both kind of left that phone call not feeling particularly good like we both felt we were in the right but we had by that point like at least three or four complaints Remember where, where, where the 2000 gold and then Slag was like, oh, oh, I want this. We, we left like not super great, but we revisited the conversation. We all worked out on it as a group. And I think that's important, right? Even if you're yeah. playing D&D at home or playing D&D on stream or whatever, don't let stupid shit ruin your game. Because honestly, we've moved past that in game and out of game. And I think we're better for it. And we've had like, totally. we, we have had a great session since then. And we're gonna have more great sessions, but don't let like stupid shit ruin, uh, you know, ruin your campaign or your uh, your, your whatever, friendships. Because... Yeah, well, yeah. I, I wouldn't I call want... Zach a friend. I what once I... knew someone, oh, Cody, no. Cody. I Boy, once brothers. knew someone I considered a friend. But... <laughs> Just kidding. <Yeah. laughs> but I guess they don't he feel who the shall same not way. be named. <laughs> they don't feel the same way. All I know is I got a lot of sounds I need to add for portent now that I got some cool <laughs> abilities. Actually, I got a gorilla sound. I'm so excited to use it. Oh. <laughs> uh, my last couple things. Uh, feed into your player's enthusiasm. If they're excited, be excited. Um, if you mess up, own it. It's okay. And if you are a new DM, just jump into it. Read, read, read the Dungeon Master's Guide. It's pretty thick. It's like 300 pages. It's worth it. There's you know world-building tips, rules, magic tables, stuff like that. And then just realize that once you start Dungeon Mastering and you start doing a good job... You are forever going to be the dungeon master. You're stuck. 
Our sweet ass, the trundle. Oh, that is I a nice ass. 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 I was painting it while I was drinking. I apologize. Look at that yeah. ass's ass. Here, that was me... the biggest. I was. I was like, these got the biggest handles for those brushes. How wooga. Oh, I was doing a wash oh, brush. So oh, is that what it was? Still work in progress. It's so awesome. Look at that. I'm almost done. And you can have a trundle miniature for three hundred dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah. Well, well signed, in, signed in calligraphy. If someone by gives Zachary. me, if someone Eight gives easy me payments a, of forty nine ninety nine ninety nine. If someone gives me a super <laughs> chat and it leads to a rare magic item, I will, I will literally oh, send you a picture of my butthole. That is bribery, and I will not allow it at my table <laughs> unless I am also bribed. Yes. Cody, you let me know what I need to PayPal you for that tome of, of intelligence. <laughs> Got my finger on no. the button. Speaking I'm on, speaking I'm on 22 of... intelligence so bad. Once I get 22, you're calling me Oz all the Oracle. Speaking of uh, enthusiasm, I was so proud of myself last game about how I chose to level Kringlis to have... Um, oh my... To cancel... Dude. Fire yes. resistance. Yes. I was like, that's I was like waiting for you to say it. I was literally like a spider in a web, just waiting for Cody. <laughs> to be like, okay, he takes half damage. I'm like, he doesn't. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, that I, was fun. That made me Cody proud as a cool dungeon guy. master. It means I'm doing my job. Like, hey, my players are learning. They're having fun. They're you know they're invested. That's all I want. Walk away from my table having fun. Ninety five percent of the time, we're good. Even eighty, I, I'd take a solid B, eighty percent. I'll take that. So I'm just excited because we get to fight a dragon uh, next yeah. Wednesday. Is not the dragon fight. Sorry, um, no. it is a one shot. Which, um, if you are playing in the one shot, you have some prep work to do. So, yes. make sure to get with Cody on that. Come talk it to should me. be very fun. Come talk to me. I think. Do you want to give them a tease? The people at home, a tease of what we're doing. Uh, I will give out two teasers because I had a player ask this question of. Is the two people that both went in the water on the fight dead? One of them is dead. One of them is not. If you watch Wait, who the were the two fight. people that went in? Uh, that would be Tyrus and Gore the Blood Tusk. Oh, I one thought them... Tyrus was 100% dead. Like, I didn't oh, even yeah. question that. No, he, no he, he dead, dead. He dead, dead, dead. But uh, I, rolled, I rolled for Gore, and he has what's called Death Ward. So instead of dropping to zero, he drops to one. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, he survived. Can I just magic missile him, please? Like, uh, no, he's him. downstream at this point. But I was like, okay, I'm going to make like a couple athletics checks. And he passed. And I was like, shit, he gets to live to fight another day. I was going to uh, polymorph him and eat him. <laughs> that I, I watched a video on this recently about how to handle that. So I'm ready for you. I don't think that I'm ready for you. Because once you die in the belly, you become your... And then I just explode. No, you, you are magically shifted... Because you can't take damage that way, otherwise it would be written as the implosion spell, right? Like where you, uh -huh. I'm going to turn you into a cockroach and swallow you. And then I stop polymorphing and I, poof, blow up this small gnome's body. Goodbye, Arthur. No. You're magically shifted to an adjacent, like, square. That is the, the simple version of that. So much Just for as that a heads idea. up. I'm sorry, man. Anyways, Wednesday. Uh, We're going to hell. Eight. 30 p.m. 8 p.m. Yeah. We'll work on that. We're going to hell. Yep. We're going to hell, and it's a rescue mission. Yep. Stay tuned for that. And then for the dragon fight, we need everyone in the chat. It's when is it, Cody? It's uh oh. Geez. Dragon fight is going to be September 17th, and yes. we need everyone in the chat. We need it live in the chat. Yeah, it's going to be insane. I built this dragon to be uh, uh, like give our whole party a run for its money. 
Uh, I also have invested two of my six shadow points into this encounter in one form or another. Uh, shadow points, of course, are the banes for our players. We don't know how they're going to manifest. Well, I do. They don't know how they're going to manifest. Um, but when it happens, it'll happen. And we'll see. Other than that, I think I'm saving those other four for the Strahd fight. How so far. Chombo, babies. Chombo. Thanks for watching. and uh, We love you. I love you. You guys Catch are the best. Episode. I love you all. <laughs> Let's go off the